You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast, presented by MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas to break down this Wednesday's UFC Fight Night Smith vs. Teixeira event, which takes place in Jacksonville, Florida. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. MMAOddsbreaker.com now has six talented handicappers providing their favorite bets for this UFC Fight Night event via MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Check out MMA Odds, the MMA Oddsbreaker Premium tab on MMAOddsbreaker.com and sign up today. Back to the present. UFC Fight Night Smith vs. Teixeira features an 11-fight card in total and will be aired exclusively on ESPN Plus this Wednesday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a heavyweight showdown between Chase Sherman, who is 14 and 6, and Ike Villanueva, who is 16 and 9. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? One quick shout out before we get rolling here. As Brian mentioned, head over to MMAOzberger.com and click on our premium picks tab. You will find six very talented handicappers on board. I mean, these guys are awesome at what they do. They give out great betting advice. So if you want to make some money this week, make sure you head over to MMAOzbreaker.com and click on that tab and buy one of their packages or a few of them. I mean, these guys are tremendous at what they do, as, as I said. So looking to make money, that's a place to go. Now, getting right into the fight card, the first fight, Villanueva opened minus 140, the comeback on Sherman at plus 120. And right now, looking over at the Don Best screen, we're actually seeing it the other way. Right now, it's Sherman at minus 160. The comeback on Villanueva is at plus 135. So obviously, line margins have tightened up a little bit in, in most places, and we're seeing a flip in the line, more actually coming in Sherman's way, which is the right side, honestly. I mean, right now, I feel kind of bad because we missed the boat sitting here um, with Chase Sherman opening at plus 120 or even at a, about a pick price or so. Sherman is by far the more talented fighter of the two, I think. Villanueva is one of these journeyman fighters that's been around the sport for a long time, so I'm glad he's finally getting his shot in the UFC. But that being said, I mean, typically he was fighting at middleweight, at light heavyweight, um, and now he's fighting at heavyweight. Now, he has had a heavyweight fight before. I understand that. But still, this isn't his natural weight class. Sherman is a bigger, stronger guy. I think he's the more talented guy. I think he's a better striker overall. I think he's fought better fighters throughout his UFC career. I, I honestly think that he's been underrated throughout most of his career. I mean, I enjoy watching a guy fight. He's got nasty leg kicks. Um, he's got decent body kicks. He can throw them up high as well. Um, he's got decent footwork for the most part. He moves his head off the center line and, and he's effective with the striking, man. He's not bad. Again, I think he's been very underrated throughout his whole career. So I think he's fought better competition and I expect him to roll in this fight. But at the betting window where the price is right now, I mean, I think you got to let it go. Like I said, I think I personally missed the boat. I think at minus 155, 160 now, I'm not willing to lay it because we could have got a pick type of price. And if anything, you got to give Villanueva a little bit of love because he does have a little bit of knockout power and he does have some experience. Now, again, this is going to be one of the best fighters he's fought in a long time, but he has fought in some decent 
caliber competition throughout his career, and he's done okay. I mean, he's hung in there. He's made it uh, some tough fights for a couple of savvy vets in his own right. So I think you got to respect his power, and you got to expect uh, respect his experience for sure. But I think Sherman's just on another level, and he's got the physical attributes to go along with it. So for me, I'm picking Sherman to win this fight at the betting window. I think there is maybe a little bit of value left on Sherman, but again, the line kind of got away, so I would just stay away from it at this point. I'm going to side with Chase Sherman. Um, like Nick said, uh, Villanueva is not a natural heavyweight at all. I mean, having fought all the way down at middleweight, um, and he's 36 years old. So it's not like he's coming in as a bright young prospect. That's just taken a, an eager fight at heavyweight to make his UFC debut. I mean, this is a guy that's been around the block that's picked up a few knockouts in a row and earned a UFC shot. Um, not to say you can't win because, you know, Chase Sherman doesn't have the best striking defense. He's, uh, a bit chinny. So if he gets clipped, he can definitely lose. I mean, he was briefly out of the UFC, um, after losing three in a row, including, uh, getting stopped twice. Uh, granted, they were all against, uh, good fighters, all guys that I have in the top 15 at heavyweight in, uh, Abdurahimov, Justin Willis, and, uh, Augusto Sakai. But, um, after that, he fought, uh, outside the UFC, got some wins against some lower tier opponents and even fought in, uh, the bare knuckle fighting championships. Um, and now he's back in the UFC. So, um, I think, uh, you know, he, he, he earned it, uh, even though he lost his last bare knuckle fight against Joey Beltran. But, um, I still think, uh, you know, he's, he's got a lot more left to prove, uh, especially just at 30 years old. So this is a winnable fight for him. I think he's the better fighter. I think he's bigger, stronger, um, hits just as hard. And as long as he doesn't get clipped, I think he can, you know, outpoint Villanueva. I think his leg kicks are probably the best thing that Sherman does. And if he throws a lot of those and slows down Villanueva, to take a little bit of the impact out of his punches. So I'm picking Sherman. I think uh just being the bigger, stronger guy and having that UFC experience, he should be able to pull this off. But Villanueva's power could definitely turn the tides at any moment. Now, dropping all the way down to the Bantamweight division, we have Hunter Azure, who is 8-0, taking on Brian Kelleher, who is 20-10. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Azure open minus 200, the comeback on Kelleher at plus 170. And right now looking over at the Don Best screen, we're seeing about minus 185 for Azure, the comeback on Kelleher at plus 155. So early on, the action came in on Kelleher, dropping line a little bit. And now as we get closer to fight day, the action's coming back on Azure. Azure, I should say, excuse me. And I think it's probably right. This is a tough fight for many reasons. I think, I mean, Azure is one of these guys that's a prospect. He's, he's an up and coming fighter that's getting better fight by fight. You could really see the improvements in his game, but he's fighting a very savvy technical fighter in Kelleher. So that's what makes it interesting here. Kelleher, I think, is a little bit more technical on the feet. I think he's the better uh, submission artist overall. I think he's tech- more technically sound on the ground as well. But I think Azure is a, the more explosive fighter. I think he's a stronger fighter. I think he's going to have a little bit more size, a little bit more reach over Kelleher. And man, this guy's a winner. If you just look at him, the way he fights, I mean, and look at the opponents that he's faced from the contender series to uh, Katona in his official UFC debut. This guy's been nothing but impressive, and he's getting better fight by fight as well. So even though Kelleher might be a little bit more technical overall, I still think Azure is going to be the one that's more effective with his striking. He's going to be landing the harder shots along the way. He's going to be the stronger fighter. Even if Kelleher's coming in trying to take him down, 
I don't think he's going to have success. I think Azure actually is going to be, again, the type of fighter that's going to actually control the physicalness, and he's going to be the one maybe getting on top if it does hit the ground. Now, my main concern in this fight is actually Kelleher maybe locking up one of those guillotine chokes. I mean, he's so good at that. I mean, we've seen it happen just recently in his last fight as well. Um, he ended up pulling off the upset win there because he locked in that guillotine, and that was a beautiful, beautiful performance from Kelleher for sure. But I think Azure is a little bit more aware in this spot. I think he's a little bit smarter and I think he's, he's not going to get caught up in something like that. I mean, it, again, it's always possible with how slick uh, Kelleher's grappling is, but I think overall, that's basically the only way he's going to win this fight. If it does hit the scorecards, of course, Kelleher will be competitive, but I think Azure wins on the scorecards. But I also think Azure has a realistic shot at finishing this fight because I think he knocks out, uh, he has a shot to knock out Kelleher as the fight progresses uh, as well. So I think he, Azure's a little bit more durable than Kelleher. And I think, like I said, the, the improvements he's making fight by fight goes a long way. He's also had a little bit more time to prepare for this fight. Kelleher, typically speaking, hasn't really had bad cardio or anything like that. So I think he's going to be in here uh, prepared and he's going to be ready to fight. But I still like that Azure did have a fight lined up last month, um, whereas Kelleher is kind of taking this a little bit on shorter notice. So the size, just the I think the more athletic guy, there's a lot of attributes favoring Azure. Um, but again, he's fighting a savvy vet, so I understand it. But for me, it's all about line value. If you can find this line around minus 170, which is out there still right now, minus 175 or so, um, I think just under 200, there is some value on Azure in this spot. So um, depending, obviously, the better price you can get is the way to go here. But um, for me, I'm picking Azure, and I think there is a little bit of value there. Um, because like I said, if, as long as he doesn't get caught up in that guillotine choke or submitted, I think he wins this fight either by stoppage or on the scorecard. So my pick is Azure, and I'm fairly confident he does get it done here. And I'm actually going to come in the other way. Now, this is going to sound like it doesn't make sense because it kind of reminds me of the Mitchell versus Rosa fight from Saturday where, you know, you've got the young up-and-comer undefeated taking on the veteran. And in that fight, I thought Rosa would be the gatekeeper, but that Mitchell wouldn't quite pass the gate. And Mitchell blew past the gate and crushed him. Uh, putting the best performance of his career. So I was wrong in that, that one. So I could be wrong again, but, uh, Azure so far, you know, he really hasn't impressed me that much. Um, you know, he had a, a decision win, uh, on contender series and then a close, uh, decision, uh, win against Katona in his uh, UFC debut. So, you know, it really hasn't been that great what I've seen out of him so far. And Kelleher's a guy with, uh, even though, you know, he's had an up and down UFC career, he's, he's still put on some good performances, uh, on the feet. He's not that bad, although, he, you know, he has been knocked out a couple times, so he's got to be careful. Uh, Azure throws really hard. I would say technically Kelleher's just right there with Azure. It just Azure swings very heavy. So as long as a uh, Kelleher can avoid getting clipped, I think he can hold his own on the feet with him. And then on the ground, um, I think Kelleher is the better ground fighter. So I think it'll be competitive in the stand-up. And on the ground, I think Kelleher's the, the better submission fighter um, and might be able to uh, pull off a guillotine or something if uh, Azure gets a little over-eager. So uh, I'm definitely uh, feeling like Kelleher can pull this off. Um, I think Azure's leg kicks could put, be a, a threat, um, especially uh, if he's improved those since uh, his UFC debut. And the one thing you always do have to take into consideration is how much a fighter, a younger fighter, has improved since the last time you've seen him. 
like Mitchell made huge strides, even though he was already a pretty good fighter. Um, if Azures had made huge strides, then he could definitely win this fight and he, and he could win it anyway, even without making huge strides. But, um, again, I'm, I'm going to side with the, the veteran here and, you know, it could be to my detriment, but I think Kelleher can pull this off. I think he could win a decision. I think Kelleher could win by submission. Um, although I think Azure could win a decision and also could win by knockout. So, uh, both fighters definitely have a pathway to victory, but, uh, I'm going to side with the experience here and go with Kelleher. Now, moving up to the lightweight division, we have Gabriel Benitez, who is 21 and 7, taking on Omar Morales, who is 9 and 0. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Morales opened minus 215 to come back on Benitez at plus 165. Right now, looking over at the Don Best screen, we're seeing minus 180 for Morales to come back plus 150 on Benitez. So another spot similar to the last one where the dog got action early on. And as we get closer to fight day, we're starting to see some action back on the favorite on Morales as well. So a lot of two-way opinion on this fight, a lot of respectable opinions on both sides of this fight as well. So you got to look at it for what it's worth. I mean, Benitez, in my opinion, he's made me some money in the past. I mean, he's been one of these underrated fighters for sure. The guy's awesome, man. I mean, I love watching him fight because he's pretty much, he's great everywhere. He keeps on improving. I mean, the guy on his feet, you, you cannot take him lightly. He's very underrated. The guy has outstanding kicks, especially his low kicks. I mean, but he can go to the body and, and head kicks as well. Um, he's got a beautiful straight le- left hand that he lands effective and accurate as well. He's got power behind it. He, and he gets people in trouble. I mean, even in the Yusuf fight, um, that was a good performance. He lost. But, I mean, he still gave Yusuf a lot of problems in that spot. So you could just tell where it's at with Benitez. He's a very game fighter. He comes to fight for sure. And he's quality. I mean, he's a technician as well. So even on the ground, he's getting better. His takedown defense is improving a little bit. And then you can't sleep on his, you know, grappling ability off his back either. Benitez is definitely talented in that regard. But all that said, Morales is a beast, man. I mean, I like what I see with Morales as well. I mean, I think he's one of these, again, up-and-coming fighters. I know, he, I know he's not... I mean, a young gun by any means, because I believe he's, what, 34 years old or so. So he's actually the older fighter. But in fight years, I think he's a little bit fresher because he hasn't absorbed some of the punishment that Benitez has, especially as of late. I mean, Benitez does get marked up in fights. He takes a lot of damage. He's a little bit less durable, too. And Morales is one of these guys. He's a powerhouse. And we should say this off the rip as well, that this is a lightweight fight. And Benitez is used to fighting a little bit more so, obviously, in his career at featherweight. So he's moving up. He's going to be the smaller guy here. Um, not by much, of course. He's going to probably look okay overall. I mean, you're not going to see a huge size difference, but Morales, I think, is just physically stronger. I think he, he's got the athleticism here that he's going to probably be, obviously, the most powerful, the more powerful guy. He's going to be the quicker guy overall. And I think he's going to be, again, the more effective guy. When he lands, I think he's going to land a lot harder and he's going to hurt Benitez a lot more often than Benitez hurts Morales. Morales, at least at this point in his career, has showed me he's pretty durable. I mean, he could take the punches. In fact, if you hit Morales, it almost pisses him off. He gets mad, and then he responds back with a fury, man, and, and he, he gets a little bit uh, crazy in that regard. But I think, I mean, not to the point where he gets a little bit sloppy. I, like I said, technically speaking, Benitez is the cleaner fighter overall. But I do like what I see from Morales. I think he could – I mean, those those high kicks that he throws comes out of nowhere as well. He's pretty quick for being that strong. Um, now, again, I wish he was a little bit more active at times for sure. Um, and I think Benitez in round one is going to make it very interesting. I think Benitez actually might even be able to steal the first round. I mean, he's going to come out, and, and he's going to be tough fight for Morales. This is going to be by far the toughest fight Morales has ever had. But with that being said, I have noticed – 
that as a fight wears on at times, Benitez does start to slow down and Morales is going to be there even around three throwing hard and, and looking to take his head off when he can. Um, you know, maybe if that activity level isn't as high as you'd like to see, he's still going to be accurate with his punches and he's still going to be right there. He's going to be fresh. He's got that cardio, um, I think advantage overall. And again, Benitez is a warrior. So be there obviously trying to fight if he can in round three, but I still think as the fight progresses, Morales is going to take over more so in round two. He's going to take over in round three as well. He'll win on the scorecards if he hits the cards, but I think he's got a legit shot to even knock uh, Benitez out in round one. I mean, that's how strong and powerful this guy is. And he's another one of these cases where he's getting better fight by fight. So I really like what I see from Morales in this spot. It's another, I think, fight where really, again, there's differing opinions here, a lot of respectable action coming in on both sides of this. So take that for what it's worth. But for me, if you're getting under minus 200 on Morales, I think there's a little bit of value there as well. So my pick is Morales. I think he probably finishes Benitez before it hits the scorecards. And this one's interesting to me because I've always been a huge fan of Gabriel Benitez. I think is uh he's a very talented striker, very good boxer. Um and he is moving up to lightweight and uh I think he is taking this on relatively short notice cuz Morales was supposed to face Bobby Green and that would have been a hell of a matchup. Um but instead he's facing Benitez, but man, I think Benitez might be able to play spoiler here. You know, call me crazy, but uh, you know, moving up, he's not giving up a ton of size here. I mean, a little bit of reach, a little bit of height. Um, but in terms of, uh, striking technique, I think Benitez is the better boxer of the two. Um, granted, Morales is definitely the better kicker. So if Morales can keep this at kicking range, then all more power to him and he'll definitely have the edge on the feet. But if Benitez can close the distance and make this more of a phone booth fight, um, I think it gets interesting in a hurry. Um, you know, Benitez doesn't get outstruck often. Um, I mean, honestly, most of the times that he loses, it's, uh, it's been against, uh, guys that can uh, get him on his back. Um, or guys that he has been hurt with uh, a head kick. So like against Andre Feely. So, um, if he can just get inside and avoid those head kicks, um, I think it, it gets really interesting. So, especially, you know, even though Morales, as Nick said, is the older fighter. Um, so I think Benitez has the speed to hang right with Morales. Um, I think he has the boxing technique to hang with Morales. And I think he, if he can put the pressure on Morales and not give him space to land those kicks, um, I think Benitez could actually win a decision. So I'm going to side with Benitez. Maybe, you know, I'm being a little overzealous here on a guy that I've just been a big fan of throughout his entire career. But uh if he can crowd Morales and force him to fight uh more of a, a boxing style brawl, um, I think Benitez can hang right with him and potentially outpoint him over the course of three rounds. So I'm going to side with Benitez. But again, uh if Morales can keep his distance, if Benitez is uh holding back for whatever reason, or if Morales just lands some big nasty kicks, um, he could, he could finish, uh, Benitez for sure. Cause Benitez, Benitez has been knocked out a few times now. So I'm siding with Benitez, but I'm definitely concerned about a, a Morales knockout. Now dropping down to the women's bantamweight division, we have Cesara Eubanks, who is four and four, taking on Sarah Morris, who is six and five. Now, Nick. What's the MMA odds makers perspective on this one? 
Eubanks open on his 275, the comeback on Morris at plus 235. And right now at the Don Best screen, we are seeing minus 380 for Eubanks and the comeback on Morris at plus 300. So needless to say, Eubanks is getting the support here. There's never been a lot of love for Morris, man. Um, now, of course, we got to mention off the rip, this is Eubanks at 135 pounds, which she can't make 125. Obviously, she's had difficult times doing so. So this is probably the better weight class for her. Now, she's going to be the shorter fighter here. I think the reach advantage is going to be pretty close, though, if not exact. Um, and I think Eubanks is the better striker. I think she could push a high pace. Morris, Morris is like very underrated in a lot of ways because her stand-up game is getting better, but her ground game is where it's at, definitely. I mean, she's a dangerous submission artist, um, but she is improving all areas of her game, and you can't sleep on her, man. I mean, I think the girl is definitely more talented than everybody gives her credit for, but matchups are everything, and I can understand the early action coming in on Eubanks here. I'm personally staying away from this fight. I wouldn't touch it um, at the betting window at all because I think it could be interesting, and then maybe Morris shows up and makes this a little bit closer. Eubanks has a tendency to slow down at times as well. Um but that being said, it's not her fight to win or lose. I mean, she has, like I said, she should be the quicker fighter. She should be the more technical fighter with her boxing. I think she has the better wrestling overall as well. So there's a lot of signs pointing to Eubanks. That's why she's a solid favorite, uh, how she is. But again, at the betting window, I mean, all the value has been sucked out of it right now from minus 275 to minus 380 where it's at now. Just stay away from it. I wouldn't, uh, you know, it's almost like you've got to take a stab at the dog or just stay away from it, meaning that or even a prop bet for uh, Morris or stay away from it. So for me personally, again, I would stay away from it. So my pick is Eubanks. Like she probably gets it done more than likely by decision because Morris is a pretty tough chick. Um, so that's probably the way it plays out. But uh, I do like Eubanks slightly in this fight. Yeah, I'm going to go with Eubanks as well. I think this one's pretty straightforward. Uh, Morris is, uh, you know, she's been around the UFC and she's had some decent performances, but uh, her best wins have been when she can get uh, control of her opponent on the ground or perhaps pull something off from her back uh, because she does have some decent submission prowess, but she's not really a very good wrestler. She's not a very good athlete and she's not much of a striker on the feet. So as Nick said, I think Eubanks is the quicker fighter, the better athlete. I think uh, Eubanks is the better striker, and I think Eubanks is the better wrestler. So realistically, the best path for victory for Morris is either submitting Eubanks off of her back, or if uh, she could perhaps sweep Eubanks from her back and then pull something off on the ground. But uh, besides that, I think... Uh, Eubanks all the way here. Uh, you know, I think, you know, she's had a rough run of it with, uh, having issues making the flyweight, uh, weight limit. And then she's had some trouble, uh, adapting to some bigger, stronger girls at bantamweight because, you know, her biggest strength at flyweight was that she was able to be bigger and stronger and use that advantage and press that advantage against some decent flyweights. Uh, so, uh, I think that this fight is a, a fight where, you know, she actually is still going to be the stronger fighter. So um, I'm going to side with Eubanks. I think uh, a decision is the the most likely outcome, but it's going to be a decision for Eubanks. Now, moving up to the lightweight division, we have Michael Johnson, who is 19 and 15, taking on Tiago Moises, who is 12 and 4. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Moises opened minus 155 to come back on Johnson at plus 135. And right now, what you're seeing on the Don Best screen is currently, on average, it looks like it's exactly a pickup fight, minus 110 across the board. Some places have Johnson favored. Some places have Moises favored. So pick them more than likely across the board is kind of the average line, and it seems about right. And honestly, I think that's an appropriate line for this fight. I mean, 
if you got the plus money on Johnson at plus 135, that was definitely a, the way to bet it. But you're not getting that plus money right now. So it's a difficult one for me because I think Johnson could definitely win this fight. He's the more experienced lightweight. I think he's the better striker overall. He's got really good boxing. Um, I think Moises is improving in that area though, for sure. And, and I think he could give uh, Johnson more problems than people think, even on the feet. Uh, and obviously Johnson being the wrestler that he is and the wrestling experience that he has, he has decent takedown defense as a whole. So it's not going to be easy for Moises to take this fight to the ground. Um, so that's what makes it compelling here because Johnson should have the better boxing. Um, and he should be able to keep this fight upright. But Johnson does kind of have his ups and downs. He's had cardio issues in the past as well. Um, and he's he's definitely climbing fighter. I mean, he's been around for a long time. He's more than capable of pulling off this win, though. But I'm saying you're not getting the best version of Michael Johnson that you that you can get. Where Moises is actually on the upward trend. I think he is getting better fight by fight. He's got by far the better ground game. So here's the thing with me. I think there's a good chance that Moises actually hops on his back or, or gets an maybe an awkward takedown, you know, that maybe Johnson just makes one mistake, trips him down or takes his back or something of that nature. Again, it's not going to be the pure wrestling that Moises is going to uh, get Johnson down. It's going to have to be something maybe up against a cage, um, you know, taking his back that way or, or just being opportunistic in catching his back or something like that. If he does that, I think Moises can win the fight. And as this fight progresses, I think he can close the gap a little bit and uh, maybe start making it even, even in the striking battle as well and hits the scorecards. I could see it being a split decision. So that's what I'm saying. I think the line is appropriate set here at a pick'em, so it's a very difficult one for me to bet and I've been kind of going back and forth like I said when Johnson was a plus money I was leaning his way for sure now that it's more of a pick'em fight I think I'm gonna side with Moises a little bit more because I do like the younger fresher type of fighter that is kind of on the rise rather than the guy that's on a bit of a decline um in Michael Johnson so I'll side with Moises but it's not a confident pick again I could realistically see Johnson winning this fight as well but I think that we're going to continue to see improvements from Moises and I'm, part of me is obviously hoping that he does get the W because this would be a huge win for him and it'll give him some confidence and if he keeps on excelling at the pace that he is then I mean this guy could be a legit contender one day he's not there yet obviously he's got a lot of holes to fill still and a lot of improvement to make but this would go a long way getting a win over Johnson and I think obviously you're seeing some respect there staying at the pick fight as well at the betting window so my pick will be Moises, but again, it's it, this fight realistically could go either way. And uh yeah, this one's really interesting to me because obviously Michael Johnson has a flaw in uh his submission defense. I mean, historically, when he loses, a lot of times he loses by submission. Uh You go all the way back to his loss to Jonathan Brookins on the Ultimate Fighter 12 finale. Um He got outgrappled there. Uh, against Paul Sass, he got submitted. Hazel Madadi submitted him. Um, he got uh, finished on the ground by Habib with a Kimura. So uh, it's just over and over and over again. That's that's kind of been historically his issue. Um, but even though that that has been uh, a, an issue with him, um, his takedown defense is historically pretty good, despite having faced just some tenacious wrestlers like Habib and Darren Elkins throughout his career, he's still got almost 80% takedown defense. So that means with Tiago Moises not being a very good wrestler, I mean, there's a very realistic possibility that Michael Johnson keeps this upright. And on the feet, Johnson's dangerous. Um, you know, this is a guy that knocked out Dustin Poirier, that rocked and had Justin Gaethje, the new inter, uh, interim champ, in big trouble in their fight. Uh, a guy that outstruck Tony Ferguson, won a decision against Edson Barbosa on the feet. So, you know, when Johnson's on, uh, you know, he's dangerous. I mean, he had, uh, 
you know, even Habib in a little bit of trouble in the first round of their fight. So, you know, this is a guy that you have to, uh, you can't take lightly, even with, uh, the recent string of, uh, tough losses with, to, uh, to Emmett and Stevie Ray. Uh, I do think returning to the lightweight division is the right move for him because that's where he's had his best performances historically. Um, my main issue with Johnson, other than submission defense, is that he does slow down. Because uh, I'm not really worried about Moises doing anything on the feet. That's really not his strong suit. So uh, on the feet, Johnson should by far have a, a huge edge here and should definitely either be outpointing Moises or even hurting him and potentially finishing him on the feet. But uh, if he gets a little over aggressive, and sometimes he does, uh, that could definitely lead to him getting put on his back. And then I'm hugely concerned about what happens there. Um, I'm also concerned about what happens if he gets tired, and that has happened again. Historically, he slows down. Um, he, he got worn down by Elkins. He got worn down. Uh, he, he slowed down. He was winning the fight against Josh Emmett recently, and then he got uh, knocked out in the third round late. Um, and then in the Stevie Ray fight, I thought he won the first two rounds, and then Stevie Ray just destroyed him in the, the third round and ended up taking a majority decision. So I'm, I'm concerned, but I still think if he can keep this upright, you know, I'm not really worried about Moises hurting him on the feet. So uh, as long as he can pace himself and keep this upright, I think Johnson actually wins a decision or maybe even wins by knockout. So I'm going to side with Michael Johnson. Now moving on to the main event of the preliminary card in the heavyweight division, we have Andre Arlovsky, who is 28 and 19, taking on Philip Linz, who is 14 and 3. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Linz open minus 205, Arlovsky plus 175. And right now, what we're seeing on the downbest screen is currently Linz coming in at minus 160, the comeback on Arlovsky about plus 135. So Arlovsky being used as the gatekeeper once again. And PFL champion, heavyweight champion Lenz is coming in here to the UFC, making his UFC debut, looking to pick off Arlovsky and kind of move up that ladder right away. But I'll tell you what, man, Arlovsky's no slouch to deal with. I mean, somehow, some way, I, I can't believe it myself. We say it every podcast that he's fighting. He's on this recent UFC stint, man. The guy has been, performed like a warrior. I mean, his chin has been a lot more solid. I know he's coming off a knockout loss, and you always got to be concerned with that chin. But, man, he, I mean, he's made – it made it very difficult for some of these guys. If hits the scorecards, I mean, Orlovsky is always in the fight. I mean, it's almost like a split decision type of fight almost every time out with him on the scorecard. So for being around as long as he has, has, and for having a lot of um, difficulties, you know, at one time in his career, I mean, he seems to definitely have turned the corner and just kind of rejuvenated himself somewhat. And I'm saying that, but I still think he's going to lose this fight. I think Linz, again, is going to come in here, the fresher fighter overall. I think he's got a lot to prove. He's going to be hungry to get the knockout win over Orlovsky. He's going to realize and be confident that if he does connect on Orlovsky's chin, he could probably put him out. And the thing with Linz is, I mean, as the fight progresses, he does tend to slow down a little bit, and his power isn't there quite as much. But, man, when he lets his hands go early on, I mean, he could be very effective. And he's got that speed and that killer instinct to go along with it. And, of course, he's got a good BJJ along the way um, that he can be effective in that area. But against Orlovsky, that's probably not going to help either. So in this fight, he's going to want to keep this fight upright. Both these guys are going to probably want to stand and bang, obviously. And I think Linz is going to have the advantage because he's going to be a little bit quicker than Orlovsky. And, obviously, he's going to be a little bit more durable. Now, that said, I know he didn't have the most success in his Bellator stint. And he was finished there a few times. So... 
that's a bit concerning. But this version of Linz that we've seen as of late, it seems like after that injury um, and those setbacks that he has, I mean, he, there's a, this is a new version of Linz as well. So I think I like what I see. I mean, he's definitely, like I said, when he lets his hands go, he can be very effective. And I think that's a bad formula for Orlovsky right now, especially, again, once again, coming off a knockout loss. So if it does hit the scorecards, though, definitely be a sweat because I'm sure Orlovsky will be game and it'll be a close competitive fight, especially as it progresses as Linz slows down a little bit. But overall, I think it's probably going to be Linz by knockout. There's even a prop out there around plus 130 or so. You might want to take a small stab at Linz by knockout because I think if he wins, it's probably going to be that way. Not saying he can't win on the scorecards because I think he can edge Orlovsky out on the scorecards as well. But I, I think more so than anything, I think Linz ends up knocking him out. So for me, I mean, it definitely is tempting to lay it straight. Obviously, it's only minus 160. I think the uh, opening line was more appropriately set at minus 200. So there might be a little bit of value on Linz as well. But again, I mean, Linz does tend to slow down. He's making his UFC debut against a savvy vet like Arlovsky. And Arlovsky has overperformed, in my opinion, for a while now. So you got to be cautious with this fight because Arlovsky still has some skill. So the pick for me is Linz, and he probably gets it done by knockout. Yeah, there's a lot to take in with this fight because Linz is making his UFC debut. He is on a four-fight win streak. He had a great run in PFL, um, you know, winning against uh, some decent fighters, especially, uh, you know, Jared Rochold, a UFC veteran, Josh Copeland, pretty good uh, heavyweight. Um, but you got to remember also before that, he did not have a very good run in Bellator. Um, he had a stretch there where he lost three out of four fights, all finishes, two of them by knockout, one from a knee injury. Um, so, you know, he's definitely capable of getting clipped and hurt. So, you know, if, if he comes in here over eager and aggressive, if you remember like the Travis Brown going in right at, in Arlovsky's grill, he could absolutely get blasted and finished. Even though Arlovsky really hasn't shown a lot of finishing potential lately. Um, you know, that could definitely happen. That being said, uh, Linz is aggressive. He's dangerous. He's powerful. He's, uh, finished four fights in a row. Uh, and you know, he's probably got some confidence. So if he, he comes in here and, uh, gets in Arlovsky's face and, and crowds him a little bit and Arlovsky isn't able to, uh, land some good counter strikes, Linz could just blow Arlovsky out of the water too. So, um, I can totally see Linz getting a stoppage victory here. You know, Arlovsky did get, uh, smoked by Rosenstruck there and, uh, ended that, uh, you know, about a two and a half or three year stretch where he hadn't been knocked out. Um, and Arlovsky has, you know, had his issues of late. Um, he had a pretty nasty losing streak that he ended briefly and he's, he's kind of started slowing fights down to a crawl. Um, and, uh, and that kind of was working for him. He was having some close, really close, uh, either decisions or split decision losses or decision wins. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if he can drag this out and make it ugly, then, you know, he definitely could win this fight. Arlovsky also could win by knockout, as I said. But um, I think, honestly, the the most likely outcome, you know, with Arlovsky being uh, 41 years old now, having been knocked out again in his last fight quick, that uh, if Linz gets in his grill and, and uh, goes for that knockout, I think he can get it. So I'm going to side with Linz. I think he knocks him out. So Linz is my pick. Now, kicking off the main card in the middleweight division, we have Carl Roberson, who is 9-2, taking on Marvin Vittori, who is 14-3-1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Vittori opened minus 150, the comeback on Roberson at plus 130, and right now at the Don Best Green, we are looking at 
minus 180 for Vittori, the comeback in Roberson at plus 150. So more action coming in Vittori's way. I understand it a little bit, I guess. Um, for me, I think, again, the opening line was more appropriately set because I think you give a slight edge to Vittori. And as it creeps up a little bit, there is a value probably that opens up on Roberson. But it's, it is a tough one because I think game plan wise, I mean, first of all, we got to say right away, Roberson is more of the striking base fighter. I mean, he's got that explosive, powerful striking base, clean technique. Um, you know, I mean, he demolishes a lot of his opponents on the feet. There's no question about it. A former uh, glory kickboxer. This guy is legit when it comes to the feet in the striking game. I mean, he's a threat for sure. So I think he can have success against Vittori on the feet. I think he could be a little bit faster. He could be a little bit more effective there for sure. Vittori, though, is no slouch either. He's got a lot of power. Um, he does have pretty good boxing as a whole. I mean, he keeps his hands a little low at times, which is concerning, especially like a guy fighting a guy like Roberson. I mean, that's definitely a concern. You want to keep those hands up, but he's pretty durable um, overall, and I think he's getting better. He's getting more confidence as his UFC career progresses as well. But the the blueprint here is to make this fight miserable for Roberson and not let him get um, his boxing or his kickboxing going at all. You know, he, to close that gap, grab a hold of him, try to take him down, make this a grueling type of fight, kind of wear him out along the way. Both these guys are obviously going to get tired as the fight progresses a little bit, but the blueprint for Vittori is definitely to continue to grapple, continue to try to get those takedowns, lay on top of him a little bit. Now, Roberson, I got to say, too, he's impressing me a little bit more. I know he's been finished in the UFC twice by arm triangle choke, it is, but he's in his last fight or a couple fights ago, I should say, against Terman. Terman got it on him uh, quite a few times on the ground, had his back a few times as well, and, and he was able to reverse and scramble out of a bad position. So it looks like his scrambling ability is getting better, and he's improving his ground defense, which is good to see because, man, if this guy gets his wrestling and his ground defense together, this guy's a, a huge threat. But the problem here in this matchup for me is a Vittori. I mean, that, again, is the blueprint to beat Roberson, and I think he's going to be able to close that gap, get around his waist, try to drag him down, and just kind of make this a more boring fight. I think it's going to be fireworks while it's on the feet back and forth, and it's not going to be a dull fight. Don't get me wrong, but I do see the path to victory for Vittori. So as a pick, I'll go Vittori because, again, he's got more ways to win this fight. I think he can kind of outgrind Roberson here in this spot, and he's got enough knockout power where if he connects, obviously he could do some damage there as well. Where Roberson, I think – if he could keep scrambling, if he could avoid and kind of sprawl and brawl, he can definitely win on the scorecards. But I think more likely for him, it's to kind of stun Vittori and just kind of rock him or put him out on the feet um, to win that fight. So I'll have to side with Vittori here. But as the price progresses, I mean, it's a dog or pass situation for sure. So I would not lay the chalk here in this spot because I think realistically, Roberson's going to keep on improving. And this is going to be a tough, tough fight for Vittori as well. So again, the line value probably got sucked out when it was around minus 150 or so, as it's getting closer to 200, I don't think there's really that much value in Vittoria. I think you probably stay away from it at this point, unless you want to take a small stop at Roberson. But for me, it's a difficult fight. I'm going to pick Vittoria because I think he does have more ways to win this fight. And I'm going to side with Vittoria as well. Uh, I do agree that, you know, I think Rob Roberson is the more technical fighter. I think that he is uh, the more savvy striker. I think uh, Roberson actually also has a, a little bit better uh, submission game as well than Vittori. But uh, Vittori makes up for that with aggression, pace, uh, tenacity, and uh, especially looking for takedowns. Uh, Vittori, I think, is going to really have Roberson on his back foot. And Vittori uh, is pretty uh, durable. So even though Roberson hits hard and he's uh, had some guys, some pretty talented fighters in a lot of trouble, um, I think Vittori can take his best shot. Um, I mean, you got to remember Vittori, um, most recently has been on a really nice run with wins over, uh, Mutanche and Andrew Sanchez, uh, quality decision wins. 
Uh, and before that, he lost a split decision to Israel Adesanya, the current champ. Uh, and he actually had a very close fight against him. I mean, that was razor close. Um, that's probably one of Adesanya's toughest fights he's had in the UFC. So, you know, Vittori's definitely no slouch. Um, so again, like I said, even though I think Roberson is the better technical fighter, I think Vittori's aggression and pace and all his intangibles make up for that. And, uh, I think that Vittori will be putting Roberson on his back. Uh, Roberson, even though he is decent with submissions, he's not great off of his back. And, uh, I think Vittori will put him there and keep him there. Uh, repeatedly, even when Roberson gets up, uh, because Vittori just keeps going and going and going. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to side with Vittori. I think he wins a decision and just wears Roberson down over the course of three rounds with, uh, repeated takedowns. So Vittori's my pick. Now dropping down to the Bantamweight division, we have Ray Borg, who is 13 and four taking on Ricky Simone, who is 15 and three. Now, Nick, What's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Borg open minus 125, Simone at plus 105. And right now what we're seeing over at the Donbass screen is currently Simone at minus 170, the comeback plus 145 on Borg. So obviously the line flipped, more action coming in Simone's way. I understand it. I mean, obviously this is in the bantamweight division as well. So Borg is more of a – he can't make weight, but he's a flyweight, typically speaking, obviously. So, you know, fighting up a weight class – you got to give some advantages to Simone. I mean, this fight is comparable, I think, to the Casey Kenny fight in a lot of ways because you have a wrestler um, that's able to keep the fight upright in most cases, like Simone, and he's the better striker. I think he's the better boxer overall. But this is a little bit different than that in that aspect as well because Borgman is just so hard to to keep off you, and his striking is really not that bad. So he's not just a grappling-based fighter that needs to get this fight to the ground to win. I think Borg is actually fairly talented for a grappling-based fighter, even on the feet. He mixes things up. He has some good kicks. He's got some speed. But he does make life miserable on you with his grappling ability and just pushes such a high pace in that regard that it's hard to get this guy off you. He's like glue sometimes, man. And if he, he you don't outscramble Borg. I mean, he outscrambles you. He gets into positions that, that he wants to get in. And, and again, he, he goes for that sub. He goes for that kill a lot of times or he just grinds you out. So this is a difficult fight. I mean, I understand why people came in for sure. Plus money on Simone. That's ridiculous. Uh, he should be a slight favorite in this fight. But as the line progresses, man, I mean, this is a tough fight. And it's hard to lay the chalk against a guy like Borg always because his grappling is so dominant at times that it is difficult. I mean, and even though Simone, I think, has the capabilities of keeping this fight upright and kind of dictating where, the, where this fight take pl- takes place and keeping the fight in space and out pointing Borg along the way. Um, I still think it's a, it's a very tough and difficult fight at times as well for him. I mean, this matchup is, is not going to be an easy one, even though Simone probably wins this fight. So I think Simone does edge it out in the scorecards. I think he, he probably keeps it upright and beats Borg up more so than not and out points him and uh, ends up winning by decision. Borg's a very durable guy. He's hard to stop. And even if he comes in out of weight, the guy's conditioning is there anyway. So I think this, there's a very good chance this fight hits the scorecards. And if it does, Simone should really win it, right? So I like Simone here. I think he should win. But again, if you're laying the chalk here, um, like we're saying minus 170 or so, as it creeps up even higher, it's a, it gets a little bit more dangerous and risky for me. So for me personally, I'm probably passing this fight completely, but I think it should be a fun one. And I do think it's a fight Simone should win. And, you know, I'm going to come in the other way. You know, Simone is a talented fighter. You know, he, he came into the UFC on a real hot stretch, uh, you know, at 15 and 0, uh, or 15 and 1, and, uh, looked like he was, you know, on the right path, but, uh, then he ran into some trouble. Uh, 
I think he got a little overconfident heading into the Faber fight and Faber clipped him and finished him quickly. Um, and then in the, the last fight, you know, Rob Font just being a really good, tough, uh, bantamweight was too much for him. So, uh, you know, he's on a bit of a tough stretch here with, uh, while Borg, on the other hand, has bounced back with a couple wins, although he has had trouble making weight. But, uh, Borg has some quality wins as well. You know, that, that win over Bontorin was impressive. You know, Bontorin's a very talented fighter and Borg was able to, uh, win a decision against him. Um, in this fight, I think it's going to be close. I mean, it kind of reminds me of, uh, Simone's fight against Hani Yaya in that Yaya is a very talented ground fighter. Simone wanted to avoid, uh, you know, a lot of grappling exchanges against Yaya and he was able to, uh, for the most part, keep it upright and, uh, and avoid bad positions against Yaya. Um, but I think the difference is Borg, I think, is the better offensive wrestler. So if he can close the distance, this fight gets interesting in a hurry. Even though Simone is pretty good on the ground as well, um, I, I favor Borg in terms of ground exchanges. I do think Simone's the better striker. So if he can keep this upright and avoid Borg getting takedowns, then uh, Simone should win a decision. But if Borg can close that distance and um, you know drag Simone to the canvas, I think this gets interesting in a hurry. Now, I don't think Simone is going to get submitted by Borg, but I could totally see Borg, um, you know, winning a couple rounds, at least two out of three, if he can close that distance and put Borg, uh, Simone down. So, uh, I'm actually going to side with Ray Borg. Uh, I know that his first foray into 135 didn't go very well with the loss to Casey Kenny. And, you know, Ricky Simone is just as talented as Kenny. So, um, you know, I could be playing with fire here, but I think Ray Borg can get the job done. Uh, you know, he's still very young and, uh, getting bigger and stronger. And hopefully, uh, you know, this is a, a, an opportunity for him to really show what he's capable of here at 135 after the, the last time he had the disappointing debut there. So my pick is going to be Borg. I think that he can out grapple Simone in a, a three round fight. Now, moving up to the lightweight division, we have Drew Dober, who is 22 and nine. Taking on Alexander Hernandez, who is eleven and two. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Dober opened the slight favorite minus one forty. The comeback on Hernandez at plus one twenty. And right now, what you're seeing over the Don Best screen is Dober at minus one twenty. The comeback on Hernandez even money. So again, line margins have tightened up a little bit. Um, there is more action coming in Hernandez's way, but we will see two way action, and you'll continue to see it because again, both. Guys are going to get back from the betters out there in both directions. I mean, Hernandez has kind of been a little bit of a disappointment, and it's a shame to say that because really his setback mainly has been against Cerrone, but that fight was a head-scratcher. I mean, I was expecting way more from Hernandez in that spot, but credit Cerrone for showing up there and just making Hernandez look like he was not ready at all. And then right after that fight, obviously, against Ronaldo, another tough fight uh, for Hernandez he was a little bit more hesitant. I mean, he was on his back foot the whole time. I mean, his footwork was good. I think his defensively, he was a little bit more sound for sure. He, he is hittable though at times. That's kind of a, a concern, but I think he was a little bit more cautious, which isn't always good, but at the same time, he's the ability to, to kind of have the speed advantage and to kind of outpoint his opponent like Trinaldo. Um, he squeaked out a decision. It was a very close fight. It easily could have went against Hernandez, but again, I think a little bit of the hometown, um, you know, favoritism might have, 
come into play there, but it was close enough that it realistically could have went either way. So you can't knock that he didn't deserve to win that fight either. So it was a good fight, and, and Trinaldo's always game, and it's a very difficult opponent for him. And on the other end of this, Doberman, I mean, what could you say? He just he blew everybody away by just smashing up Parrish in his last fight. A lot of people weren't expecting him to come out there and do what he did early in round one. I mean, that was impressive. I mean, you could see the improvements in Dober's game. I mean, he's working with the likes of Justin Gaethje, the new interim lightweight champion. I mean, and we've seen how Gaethje's working. So Trevor Whitman is just a, I mean, animal coaching wise. I mean, he's been great. Obviously, he's made a really good impact on these fighters. And Dober's another one of these guys that's improving by leaps and bounds. And we've seen it recently on his run here. I mean, it's been really good. I know he had that setback to Dariush, but overall, I mean, his knockout of Polarias was very impressive. And again, backing that up with a knockout of a win over a serious prospect like a Parist was very impressive. So really, Dober is definitely the more dangerous fighter and more capable on the feet here. Um, he does have a good wrestling background as well. He's no slouch on the ground, even though he's been submitted a couple times, uh, you know, last few years or whatnot. Um, but I don't think, you know, Hernandez is going to have a lot of success in that route, I think. So it probably will stay up on the feet more so than not. But I do give the speed advantage to Hernandez. I think he has the ability to kind of dart in and out. Um, and kind of outpoint Dober in that regard. And I think he might even be able to get in a takedown or two along the way and kind of swing the, the bout in his, his favor on the scorecards. But it is another tough one, man. I mean, like I said, I have a lot of respect for Dober and I think almost a pick em fight is appropriately set for this one as well. So it's very difficult at the betting window for me because I could see this fight going either way. But for me personally, I think Hernandez could steal a decision here. I think it will be a split decision type of fight though. And there is a betting prop I should mention from our guy Chris White, which has been outstanding. I mean, it's on immaoddsbreaker.com. Um, he has his betting prop article out there. So make sure you guys check that out. And I'm pretty sure he's given Hernandez out at like plus 200 odds or something. Uh, by decision in that one. And I agree with it, man. I think if Hernandez wins, it's probably going to be by decision. Um, so plus 200 is definitely some value because this is going to be a toss-up type of fight. So I wouldn't knock you for going out there and taking a small stab at Hernandez by decision. But make no mistake, Dober's game, Dober's, he's got to be the one that has more effective striking overall. And we've seen Hernandez get hurt. So, I mean, this could be a scary fight for Hernandez for sure. And I wouldn't be surprised if Dober has a lot of success along the way too. But I just think it's going to be one of these fights again that – He's not going to have a choice. Hernandez is going to have to be a little bit more cautious because he's going to have to respect that power of Dober. So he's going to be on his back foot and he's going to be kind of moving around the octagon as well and darting in and out and kind of scoring and landing. And it, it might not be the most beautiful fight ever, um, but I think he has the ability to outpoint Dober. So I'm going to slightly lean his way, even though Dober's looked like a beast and he's improving so much. I still think Hernandez probably edges this one out. So my pick is Hernandez to get a very, very close decision, probably a split decision type of fight. Yeah, this fight is pretty compelling. I mean, you've got two very talented, uh, dangerous lightweights. Um, you know, Alexander Hernandez has looked pretty good in the UFC so far. He's got three quality wins, uh, over some really talented opponents, especially, you know, the, the Darius win to debut. And then most recently, a good performance against Trinaldo. Uh, he did have the, the slip up there against Cerrone. Um, and with Dober, um, you know, it just seems like he's getting better and better every time we see him. You know, when he debuted, he was more of just a, a, a kind of jack of all trades, master of none guy. Uh, and since then, he's added some wrestling to his game. He's added some uh, better striking to his game. Now he's added some power to his game. Uh, it seems like he's really, really taken it up a notch. He's, Dober's won five of his last six fights. Um, and most recently, he's really started... Uh, Landed some punishing shots, getting some quick finishes uh, against uh, Polo Reyes and uh, Nasrat Hekparist. 
So I think this is going to be a very interesting fight because, uh, you, you look at Dober's losses and, uh, his last three losses inside the UFC have all been against guys that were, uh, good grapplers that were able to submit him. And that's really not a big part of, uh, Hernandez's game. So if this stays standing, um, I actually favor Dober. I think uh, he has the power edge. I think the striking technique is right there with uh, Hernandez as well. Um, Hernandez is a little bit younger. He's a little bit quicker. Um, so I think, you know, Hernandez will definitely make this interesting on the feet. But I think Hernandez's best path to victory is to try to uh, shoot in for takedowns and dump Dober on his back and utilize some of that explosive, uh, you know, power wrestling that he has in his back pocket. But uh, Dober has, that's another big strength is that he's added a lot of uh, wrestling to his game. You know, he's been pretty good offensively with wrestling. It'll be interesting to see if he can use some of that uh, in reverse to, uh, to keep this standing. Cause I think, uh, on the feet, this is going to be really interesting. Uh, but if Dober's constantly, uh, defend, forced to defend takedowns and, and getting dumped on his back, then you'd have to favor Hernandez. But, uh, on the feet, I think, uh, Dober, can get the job done. I think he could actually, you know, not just win a decision, but maybe even finish Hernandez, you know, with Cerrone able to, to get a TKO there. I think a uh, Dober's got just as much power if he can get inside. So, you know, this fight's going to be really, really interesting. Two really good fighters, but, uh, I think Drew Dober, as long as he can, uh, keep this upright and land some big shots, I think he's going to put himself in a good position to, to get the win here. So I'm going to side with Drew Dober. Now, moving up to the co-main event for in the heavyweight division, we have Ovin St. Preux moving up to heavyweight, who is 24 and 13, taking on Ben Rothwell, who is 37 and 12. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? OSP, Ovin St. Preux, open minus 125. The comeback on Rothwell, plus 105. And right now, looking over at the Donbass screen, we are seeing OSP at minus one. 40, the cutback plus 120 on Rothwell. So a little bit more action coming in OSP's way. I understand it. I think that's probably the side as well. But again, another difficult one to fight to call here, a difficult fight to call because I think, you know, obviously OSP moving up to heavyweight, physically speaking, I mean, he has a size for it. He's going to be more of a natural heavyweight for sure. Ben Rothwell, obviously the bigger guy though, overall, I mean, weight wise. Um, but again, OSP is not going to be that overwhelmed with the size disparity. And I think Ovin St. Preux is also the more athletic fighter at this point by far. I think he can mix things up a little bit better. He's got some nasty kicks. Uh, ben Rothwell is a pretty tough guy. He comes forward. He's got some decent boxing, but he's definitely going to be a lot slower and he's going to be a step behind OSP. Now, the other angle for OSP, obviously, he's got the better overall ground game. He's got good submissions. I should say, though, Rothwell, man, he can definitely stun you with some of his submissions and his chokes as well. So you can't count him out there. Um, he definitely is aware and, and has a decent ground game in his own right. But I think OSP is probably the more overall technical fighter and a little bit better overall as well. And again, his athleticism, his speed um, is going to come into play here, but it's a diff difficult one for me to bet as well. I mean, because we've seen OSP kind of not show up at times as well. I think he is up on a bit of a decline. Maybe this move up to heavyweight is going to do him a lot of well. Um, you know, he almost needs it at this point of his career as well. I mean, he's coming off a very impressive win and performance over Oleg Sejcek. So I give him credit for that. Um, he kind of needed, I think to stay, relevant in that spot beating a guy like Ola Sechek. So it's it's good to see that. And again, maybe this is the spot that he needs to to progress his career to be in and, and get his quality win over a solid heavyweight like Rothwell. So 
for me, I'm going to lean his way. I think he can land more along the way. He mixes in those kicks well. Um, again, he's got that good boxing. He will have the speed advantage, but Ben Rothwell's always game man. And I mean, he's got some power. And if OSB starts slowing down a little bit, then obviously Rothwell will have a path to victory as well. So another close one, I think OSP should be the slight favorite. So it's kind of a difficult one for me to, uh, again, the betting window, but I'm leaning more towards OSP for sure. So I'm going to lean his way. I'm going to pick him to win this fight. And I'm going to go with OSP as well. Um, you know, neither of these guys have been that impressive as of late. Um, you know, Rothwell has kind of looked slow and plodding. I mean, he's, he's kind of been that way his whole career, but he's especially been a little bit more slow and plodding since he returned from his suspension. Um, and OSP has, uh, you know, not really had the, the best run. He, uh, he got outworked by Krylov. He got outworked by Reyes, which isn't the worst thing in the world. He got finished by Latifi. Um, he got knocked out. He had that three fight losing streak, uh, earlier, uh, from, uh, in 2016 to 2017. So, you know, he's had, he's been very up and down, even though he is coming off of a pretty quality win over Oleg Sechik. Um, but moving up to heavyweight, I'm interested to see how this plays out because, uh, you know, he's, he's definitely going to have a speed advantage. Um, striking, He's he's been okay at striking, you know, but I think he's been at his best when he's typically been able to get takedowns and work some of his uh, crafty submissions uh, with the Von Flu. You know, he he has all kinds of stuff. He's got uh, calf slicers and all kinds of crazy uh, submission skills. Um, but you know, I definitely don't see him being able to do that against Rothwell, and I don't really see him being able to knock out Rothwell, who has only been TKO'd once inside the octagon, and that was against Cain Velasquez during Kane's prime. And even in that fight, it was a standing TKO where he was getting up from a takedown. Uh, he never even, you know, got knocked down in that fight. So I, I do not see uh, OSP knocking him out, but I could see OSP outworking him because, you know, Rothwell doesn't really have the highest output offensively. Um, and, and neither does OSP, but I think OSP's athleticism and speed could play the difference here. So as long as OSP avoids getting uh, blasted, because Rothwell does have some power and uh, St. Prue has been hurt on the feet and knocked out before. Um, so if he does not get knocked out, though, I think uh, OSP just outworks Rothwell over the course of three rounds and takes a decision. So uh, my pick's going to be St. Prue. Now moving on to the main event of the evening in the light heavyweight division, we have Anthony Smith, who is 33 and 14, taking on Glover Teixeira, who is 30 and 7. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Smith opened minus 165, the Teixeira at plus 135. And right now, what we're seeing over at the Don Best screen is minus 180 for Smith to come back on Teixeira at plus 150. So, Obviously, more, a little bit more action coming in Smith's way. Not a lot of faith in the old man at this point, and Teixeira, no disrespect intended. But I think that's kind of how a lot of people view him at this point of his career. I mean, the guy, a couple years back, there's no way he would be an underdog to Smith. I know Smith has been on a remarkable run. I think he's gained a lot of popularity with his work ethic and with his ability to 
to be some good opponents. I mean, he's coming off of an impressive win over Gustafson. Of course, I mean, that's a decline fighter that he just beat as well, but he has some pretty impressive wins. I mean, overall, you got to look at his resume, even hung in there against John Jones fairly well. Um, I know it wasn't, you know, a great fight or whatnot, but still Anthony Smith deserves to be kind of be in this spotlight, deserves to be where he's at because he's put in the work. He's been around the sport for a long time and he's really come into his own. And I mean, especially since he's moved up to light heavyweight division, I mean, the guy's been performing well. So, quality wins for him and, and this is another one that he set up to win here over Teixeira but the problem here is I mean all it takes is one takedown from Glover I know Smith's submission defense as of late for a long time has been pretty decent it's been pretty solid but Teixeira on the floor is just a different beast I mean he's very opportunistic he's very smart obviously he's got an amazing grappling game and he can get it done I mean there's no question he gets positioned um, and he goes for the kill so if Anthony Smith gets put on his back which he has in plenty of fights before I mean it'll only take maybe one takedown for Teixeira to win this fight the problem is and my concern is here that Teixeira could possibly get caught going in. I mean, Anthony Smith has really good, uh, a tie plum. Obviously he's got good power in his hands as well. Uh, and he could finish the job. Glover's not getting any younger. Um, he's a bit chinny at this point for sure. And, and that's why you're seeing Anthony Smith being a, a decent favorite or a medium sized favorite here at this point, because, um, you know, I, I think that's kind of the path of victory. A lot of people are thinking Anthony Smith probably does knock Teixeira out. Or if this fight progresses a little bit and it gets into deep waters, we've seen Smith have some remarkable comebacks, man. I mean, this guy has a pretty good gas tank. So even if he's getting overwhelmed in the first couple rounds, if this fight drags on around three, round four, round five, the guy still has finishing ability late. So that's what you got to love about Smith as well. That said, though, um, another prop opportunity possibly here. Again, Chris White on MMAOddsBreaker.com does have this in his prop article. Glover Teixeira by sub, I think, is like plus 450. That's what you want to take a stab at. Because if Glover wins this fight, I think it is going to be by sub. I mean, again, the guy has decent hands. It's not like he doesn't have good boxing. Um, I think he's obviously more than capable to let his hands go and, and be effective and hurt Smith even on the feed. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. But you don't want to get an exchange with a guy like Anthony Smith at this point of your career. If you're Glover, you want to take this fight to the ground and try to exploit Smith's weakness, which in your strength, which is obviously your ground game. So I think Tick does go for that. He's going to look for the takedowns and he's going to probably have some success doing so. And again, if he does that, he can win this fight. But I mean, I'm still a little bit, I guess, unconfident in that turning out that way, I guess, and playing out that way. So I think you have to side slightly with Anthony Smith, but I do think it's a, a dog or pass situation. You cannot bet Smith at this fight in this spot right here, minus 180 or so. You cannot lay that kind of chalk, I think, because again, Glover could just rip that money right from you with the submission. Um, and like I said, not too long ago, he would actually be a solid favorite in this fight. So I know he's getting older. I know Smith has looked great as of late, and this is another spot that he's kind of set up to hit a home run at. And I, so I'll pick him to win this fight, but I'm not confident. I'm, there's no way. I think the opening line was a bit high at minus 165, and I think it's obviously high now where it's at minus 180. I don't care if Smith goes out there and knocks him out on the first exchange, which is a possibility, but I still think that Glover's better than that, and you don't want to lay that kind of chalk against him. So for me, I'm going to pick Anthony Smith just based on the pick. But there's no way I would bet it. It's a dog or pass situation, or I would take a small stab at Teixeira by submission. That's the way to play this fight, I think. And there's really not a whole lot more to add. Um, this is a pretty straightforward fight, I think. On the feet, uh, you know, Glover has a little bit of power, but he's very vulnerable there. His chin is not even close to what it used to be. Um, he can't take a lot of big shots. So um, if it stays standing for extended periods of time, I think it's only a matter of time until Anthony Smith lands something and knocks him out. Um, obviously on the ground, 
Uh, you know, Smith does have some submission ability, but I mean, his ground game is nowhere near Glover's level. So if it goes to the canvas and Glover's on top, then yeah, Glover could get a finish for sure. Um, either TKO or submission on the ground or potentially decision. But, um, Smith is a fighter that comes on strong late often. Um, you know, he had multiple, uh, fights where, uh, before he started fighting five rounders, uh, that he won late in the third round. Uh, because, you know, his opponent just started to wear down and then he didn't. So, you know, this is a guy that has a really good cardio. Uh, he just got, came off a fourth round finish against, uh, Gustafson. So, uh, if anything, uh, Glover really needs to finish this early because the longer this goes, the tougher those takedowns become, I think, the slower Glover gets, the lower his hands are, and the more likely that Smith cracks him. So, um, you know, Glover could win, absolutely, because his ground game is sensational and he does have good wrestling and he's on a three-fight winning streak, even though almost each one of those fights he's been hurt and then was able to uh, recover, get a takedown, and then win a decision or win by a submission or stoppage. So um, the path to victory is there for both guys, but I just think it's going to be a little bit tougher for Glover to get a, a quick finish against somebody that's fighting at a very high level right now in Anthony Smith. So, I mean, it's very, it's possible that he can do it, but I think it's a little bit less likely than Smith surviving, uh, early and then Smith cracking him. I mean, Smith might be able to just blast him in the first 30 seconds. Who knows? But, um, the longer this goes, I definitely will side with Smith, uh, as this fight wears on. So, uh, Smith's going to be my pick. I think he does, uh, survive the takedown attempts and the submission attempts from Glover. And I think at some point he does put Glover away. So my pick is going to be Anthony Smith. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC Fight Night Smith versus Teixeira. If we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMAOB Premium on Twitter because that's where we'll post them first. We can also notify you of our free bets via email alert if you prefer that method. Just send an email to picks at MMAOddsBreaker.com and we'll add you to our free bet mailing list. Remember to check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side on Wednesday.